0: This is Because I Said So, parenting advice with love and leadership from the nation's leading parenting expert, John Rosemond, syndicated columnist, author, conference speaker, and the only psychologist to point out that psychology has caused more problems than it has solved. From American Family Radio, here's your host, John Rosemond. Welcome to the show, folks. It's called Because I Said So. I'm your host, John Rosemond. I am a family psychologist. Don't be fooled by that. Back to that in a second. I am the author of about 20 books on this thing we now call parenting. I write a nationally syndicated newspaper column that may appear in your area. It's carried in about 250 newspapers around the country weekly. And I am a public speaker and a radio talk show host now courtesy of American Family Radio. Uh, I do go all over the country, uh, nine, ten months a year. I take a couple of months off of uh, the typically grueling road schedule that I keep basically from August through May, with the exception of the month of December. And I speak on the topic of raising children and families and marriages and uh, because you can't isolate uh, a discussion of the rearing of children uh, from a discussion of the American marriage and a discussion of the American family and a discussion of what has gone on or, and is going on in the American school system. And how all of that is impacting America, both in the present and impacting America's future and compromising a successful future for America, by the way, a theme that I frequently touch upon on this radio show and may be inspired to touch upon it today. Stay with us and find out. So what does it mean, honor your mother and your father? And I've purposely left off the second half of the verse because this is what people often do with that particular commandment, which is generally known as the fifth commandment, The fifth commandment, if you say to people, what is the fifth commandment? They will say, honor your mother and your father. But that's not all that it says. It says something else. This particular commandment is very much like Ephesians chapter 6, verse 4, because people make the same mistake in reading the fifth commandment as they do in reading the. Ephesians chapter six, verse four, and that is they don't pay sufficient attention to the second half of the verse in either case. In Ephesians chapter six, verse four, it says fathers do not exasperate your children. And that's what people often take away from that. Fathers don't exasperate your children. Don't make your children upset. Don't make your children angry. And that's not what it says. I mean, it is what it says, but it's not what it says, if you understand the nuance of my pronunciation there. Because Ephesians 6, 4 goes on to say, and really, you cannot understand the verse unless you read the entire thing. It says, instead, bring them, in other words, your children, up in the training and instruction of the Lord according to God's instructions. According to God's plan. Now, what does that mean? It means that the only set of instructions concerning the rearing of children that will keep you moving in a straight line from point A, which is the child's birth, his coming into the world, to point B, which is a successful, not monetarily, but a successful, a responsible adulthood, is. God's instructions. If you use instructions cobbled together by man, and if those instructions are not parallel to God's instructions, if they do not simply elaborate upon and explain to parents how to apply God's instructions concerning the rearing of children to various parenting situations, then you will find yourself zigzagging all over the parenting playing field, constantly searching for a sense of direction. And you will, in the course of this zigging and zagging, exasperate your children. The only way to keep moving in a straight line is to use God's instructions. And in part, that is what it means in Proverbs chapter 22, verse 6, probably the most well-known of all biblical scripture concerning children, train up the child in the way he should go. And when he is old, he will not depart from it. In other words, he will not depart from that path. And many people have pointed out that is not a guarantee. It is a promise. In other words, it is not a contract between parents and God. But it is a promise, it is a principle, that if you train up your child in the way that he should go, he will not depart from it when he becomes an adult. In other words, keep your parenting moving in a straight line. I tell parents all the time, you need to, in the raising of a child, have in the forefront of your parenting mind, proverbially speaking, a vision of the adult you want your child to be when your child is 30 years old. And you need to aim your parenting on a daily basis at that vision. And by the way, when I talk to parents about that, when I ask parents to describe the adult they want their child to be when uh, their child is 30 years old, they always describe this child in terms of character. Godly character attributes, responsibility, compassion, charity, and so on and so forth. And that is, by the way, what is instructed in Deuteronomy chapter 6, verses 6 and 7, that parents should impress these commandments for our purposes in the year 2016. These commandments refer to godly values. Judeo Christian values. And these commandments, of course, refers to, in that specific context, Deuteronomy chapter 6, verses 6 and 7, because God is speaking to his chosen people, the Israelites, at that point in time, refers to the law which he has given them through Moses. And But for our purposes, this can be expanded to an understanding that it's our job to instill proper character into our children. I tell people all the time, I'm sorry to tell you this, but God really does not care what your child's grades are in school. The character aspect of this is that you teach your child to always do his or her best. The achievement, the secular goal is to help your child make straight A's. That is not the godly goal. The godly goal on the playing field is to play fair, to be a good winner as well as a good loser. The secular goal is to win. So here's what I would challenge my listeners to accept, that. Even if you are a member of a bible believing gospel-shoutin', Southern Baptist, rooted-in-scripture church, that it is likely that you have allowed yourself, where your children are concerned, to fall under the sway of secular parenting seductions. That you are concerned— about secular things like your children making straight A's and your children winning in sports events. And this is the kind of problem that uh, I believe needs to be addressed from the pulpit in Christian churches across America. And here is my challenge to pastors who are listening to this. I've never heard this addressed in a sermon, ever. And I go around the country, and I speak in Christian churches all over this country, and I have never heard this addressed. And this, ladies and gentlemen, is a critical issue, that we train up the child properly, that we train the child according to scriptural principle, which has nothing to do with grades and winning trophies and getting on the state-traveling soccer team and the world champion 12-year-old gymnastics team, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. This is what we need to soberly reflect upon in the Christian community. This needs to be addressed from the pulpit. We need in the Christian community to come to an understanding that we have allowed ourselves to be led astray by secularists and secular principles and values when it comes to the raising of our children. And part of the problem here is that we Christians, let's face it, um, most of us are unwilling to stick out like a sore thumb in culture. We're trying to blend in. We're going along with the crowd. And folks, it's becoming ever more critical with the passage of every single day. I don't know if you've noticed this or not, but we are in dire need of a biblical revival in this country, and this begins, I believe, with renewal in the raising of children, a biblical renewal when it comes to the raising of children, a mass within the evangelical Christian community, rejection of secular parenting principles, psychological parenting principles, principles that are based on psychological theory and not God's word. And folks, there is no way, let me just take a slight detour here, to reconcile psychological theory with biblical principle. As John MacArthur has said, there ain't no such thing, he didn't say ain't, as a Christian psychologist. These are people who are fooling themselves and fooling others. There is no way to reconcile these two disparate points of view. So, we're up against a break. I'll be back in a few minutes with more of this incorrect stuff, politically incorrect. Hope you stay with us. I'm on American Family Radio, John Roseman. The show's called Because I Said So back in the future. Welcome back to the show. Glad you've stayed with us. If you've just joined us, uh, I'm John Rosemond, your host, and the show is called Because I Said So We're All About Raising Children. It's called parenting, but I, you know, I am not talking about parenting because parenting implies the word that this is a technology that can be mastered and it is not. It is the raising of children. That is the way it is referred to in Scripture, training of the child, raising of the child, upbringing of the child. And so let's get it straight. I'm not talking about parenting in the sense that this is a quasi-technology. I believe that that misunderstanding, in fact, foisted upon us by the mental health community in America beginning in the 1960s has caused tremendous problems for the American parent. So uh, let's let's talk about this uh, parenting thing. Now, uh, bear with me, folks. I know I I said I wasn't going to talk about parenting, but I want to talk about what it means and uh, that word. I want to elaborate on it because in elaborating on it, I hope, to be able to clarify for you why American parents are having more problems in the raising of children than their great-grandparents could have even envisioned. In the late 1960s, America came to a fork in the child-rearing road and took the road, never traveled. My generation, baby boomers who came of age in the 1960s, did what no generation in any culture at any time in history had ever done. To wit, we broke with the child-rearing traditions of our foremothers and forefathers. When the time came, we refused to take the well-worn child-rearing baton from the prior generation and carry it forward. And as poet Robert Frost foresaw, although upside down, it has made all of the difference. The new parenting paradigm was driven by an odd hybrid of humanistic, behavioral, and Freudian theories. This is an odd hybrid because academically, these three schools of psychological thought Are in conflict. They are antagonistic to one another. And for decades, folks, arguments have raged, literally raged in academia concerning the validity, the respective validity of these three theoretical systems. I call this new hybrid, Childering hybrid, driven by humanistic, behavioral, and Freudian theories. I call it postmodern psychological parenting. Like all postmodern stuff, it is relativistic. It is do-your-own-thing. This is why we no longer have consensus in America concerning how to raise America's children. And by the way, folks, this is critical. This is critical. If we do not have consensus over something as fundamental as the raising of America's children, then it is impossible for us to have consensus concerning anything in this country. And this is why everything is falling apart, because of the relativism of postmodernity. And I call it progressive because it's full of new ideas. It's psychological because it's all about feelings, the child's, that is. And it's parenting because it's an expert-driven quasi-technology. All told, it's 180 degrees removed from the day when common sense ruled child-rearing. And one's elders, not experts, but elders were the go-to advisors. Postmodern progressive psychological parenting. Postmodern, because it's relativistic. Progressive, because it's full of new ideas. Psychological, because it's all about the child's feelings. And parenting, because it's expert-driven. The new parenting experts implied strongly that good parenting was all about properly interpreting and responding to a child's feelings, to his or her emotional output. And the canard was that pre-1960s parents did not allow their children to freely express their feelings, which is true, because people who freely express their feelings are antisocial, disgusting. You don't want to be around them. And so, yeah, right, in the 1950s, as a child, I was not allowed to freely express my feelings. That is true. But that's not simply what the new experts said. They said that because we were not allowed to freely express our feelings, that our feelings were, quote, bottled up, end quote, inside of us and causing us all kinds of psychic stress. That is not true. The mental health of children in the 1950s, children who were not allowed to express their feelings freely, 10 times better than the mental health of today's children. And that is not an estimate. That is a statistic, folks. That understanding, that good parenting was all about properly interpreting and responding to a child's feelings caused the more emotionally intuitive of the child-rearing pair to begin believing that she, yes, I'm talking about the female mom, she alone was capable of properly executing the new set of parenting assignments. And that broke the child-rearing unity that had previously existed between husband and wife. I often say to audiences, I am a member of the last generation of American children to be raised during a time when everyone agreed on how to raise kids. Your mother and father agreed, your parents and teachers agreed, your parents and principal agreed. Your parents and neighbors agreed. Your parents and the local police agreed. Everybody agreed on how to raise children. And that consensus has been shattered because we no longer, we no longer honor our mothers and our fathers. And folks, this is foundational. When you do not carry on the traditions and values handed down by for mothers and forefathers, culture begins to fall apart, which is why God says, if you don't, I'm going to flip it around, honor your mother and your father, you will not live very long in the land the Lord God has given you. This happened to Israel, and it is happening in America today. As a result of this, as a result of the mother beginning to believe, because now it was all about, again, inter- properly interpreting and responding to the child's feeling state, which, you know, even men know, men, men, I know I am not an emotionally intuitive individual. My wife is. Because the female, as a result of psychological propaganda, began to believe that only she was properly endowed. To properly raise a child, what was now, what is now, mothering, this new word, mothering, like parenting, fathering, became what raising a child had never before been except in unusual circumstances. It became stressful, anxiety, and guilt-ridden, frustrating, and exhausting for the female. That is, it became hard. You know, a woman in the 1940s, 50s, and before could raise 12 kids and experience less stress in her entire child-rearing career than today's mother is experiencing with one child in a month. And I know that there are women in this audience out there who are nodding their heads and going, finally, a guy gets it. Yeah, I get it. I get it in fact, better than mothers do because, quoting Carly Fiorina, who was quoting an ancient Zen fro- proverb, the fish does not know it's swimming in water. One of the more destructive consequences of new parenting is the tendency on the part of today's parents, and especially moms, to assign legitimacy to their children's emotional expressions Let's contrast that with Proverbs 22:15, where we are told foolishness is bound in the heart of the child. The typical mom of the 1950s understood that children were drama factories, and the children needed discipline concerning not only their behavior but their feelings and their thoughts as well. By contrast, today's parents tend to a only discipline behavior; they fail to discipline emotion and thinking, thus teaching their children how to manipulate them, because that's what happens when you only discipline behavior, and B, buy into their children's dramas and unwittingly enable narcissistic emotional expressions. In this context, it should surprise no one that many a young child comes to school today with the emotional control of a toddler. We call this Childhood Bipolar Disorder, Blarney. Nor should it surprise anyone that many teens seem to believe that a life without drama is a life without meaning. In case the reader has failed to notice, the listener, excuse me, I'm, I'm thinking I'm writing a newspaper column here. In case the listener has failed to notice, social media is the stage upon which many of these teen soap operas are produced. Furthermore, the emotionally abusive child whose default victim is his or her increasingly guilty mother has become ubiquitous. America is paying a terrible price for believing that capital letters after one's name means that one knows what he is talking about. The truth is that yesterday's grandparents gave much better advice than today's experts There is nothing new under the sun. And if you want to raise an emotional tyrant, all you have to do, folks, is feed the beast within. That wraps up another program. Please continue to listen to us on American Family Radio every Saturday at 5 o'clock Central Time. Hope you enjoyed it. See you next time.